if we can still keep that kind of fondness for school or engagement within school and the desire to learn, that's going to be important coming out of this pandemic. I think that's going to be a lot more important than the grades that we have. Um, and our teens too, knowing like who came up and supported them at the end of this is, is going to be a big takeaway. I don't think anyone's going to look back 15 years from now and be like, well, I failed that math test. Um, but they are going to see that parent that showed up, right? And said like, I care about you. Is there anything I can help you with? Um, can I sit alongside you while you're working? Those are the memories that, that we're going to take away. That is Caitlin Bolte. And this is the WellMind Podcast. How are you today? I hope that you are doing well and making the most of your day. Thanks for spending some of your time with me. I'm your host, Dr. Ben Coles. The WellMind Podcast is a space for meaningful conversations about a broad range of wellness topics. Today, I asked Caitlin Bolte to join me in the studio for a conversation about adolescent mental health and parenting teens. Caitlin is a mental health counselor and the director of a day treatment program for adolescents. I'll let Caitlin tell you about herself and about what day treatment is and how she came to do this work. What I will say is that Caitlin was a wonderful guest. We cover a lot of ground in this episode. We talk schooling during the pandemic and this transition back into school, the struggles that social isolation has amplified for our youth, emotional development during our teen years, and there's plenty of parenting-focused talk throughout our conversation. This is a must-listen for anyone with teens at home now or in the near future. Caitlin understands the real challenges that teens and their families are facing, and she shares a wealth of practical wisdom that I hope you can integrate into the flow of your family life. More than anything, Caitlin and I drive home the need for parents to cultivate connections with their teens during these critical years of life. So here is my conversation with Caitlin Bolte in episode 18, Building Connections. Hi, Caitlin. Thank you so much for coming on the WellMind podcast. It's great to have you as a guest uh, for our show today. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, I've been looking forward to our conversation uh, for the last couple of weeks since we set it up. And um, we're going to go into some new territory um, because as I've talked with a variety of different people about um, a whole range of wellness topics, one of the things that we haven't done yet is talking about teens and uh, you being <clears throat> an expert, I w- I'm, I'm going to use that word. Right. I know you. I know you don't <laughs> like that, um, but I'm I'm going to use that uh, expert in this um, age demographic. Um, and you can explain a little bit about your background and yeah. the work that you do and those kind of things. I just um, I think you have a, a wealth of knowledge and experience to be able to share with folks. Um, and a, there's a lot of parents of teens out there that. Yeah are just trying to do the best that they can for their teenager and support them and, and provide for them and help them develop and grow into that independent adult that we all want them to be. Right. Um, but there's a lot of challenges that that uh, teens face in our world. So um, I think we'll dive into all of that uh, as, as we talk today. Uh, but 
before we go too far, I want to give you a little chance to introduce yourself to the WellMind audience. Um, tell us a little bit about who you are, um, where you're at, sure. um, and then some of the highlights of your background, th- things that uh, that you think are, are noteworthy. Yes, sounds good. Well, again, thanks for having me. I am excited to be talking about teens today. I talk with a lot of teens for my job. Um, so I'm a program therapist and actually the manager of the day treatment program at Christian Family Solutions, and we work with teenagers who have some pretty significant mental health concerns every day. Um, so I can talk a little bit more about day treatment and what that looks yeah, like in a bit. Absolutely. Um, but as far as kind of my own background and professional experience, so I um, completed my degree in psychology at Bethany Lutheran College and then went on and got my master's uh, at St. Thomas University. And at that time, I knew I wanted to be a counselor and I wasn't really sure who I wanted to work with, but I liked um, the kind of the conceptualization of clients and figuring out like what makes this client tick or operate the way that that they're operating right now. Um, And so during my time at Bethany, I had met Dr. Mears, who works at Christian Family Solutions, and then in my graduate program, um, ended up doing some evaluations with him, and he specializes in working with teenagers as well. So during that work, we did um, psychological evaluations for teens who have experienced some pretty significant trauma and um, did personality inventories and just really worked on kind of understanding and documenting for parents and other support providers for these teenagers, kind of what's going on with this teen and how has this experience and this experience and this experience equated to what this teenager is presenting as today. Um, So that was kind of my first experience in working with teenagers was during my grad program and I really just gravitated towards that population since then. Um, so yeah, graduated with my master's and began working at Christian Family Solutions and just slowly started building a caseload of, of teenagers. And then about a year ago, we launched a deep treatment program for teens too, which is just a little higher dosage of care for, mm-hmm. for teenagers who are struggling with anxiety or depression or have experienced trauma, um, and just need a little bit more, more counseling than maybe that weekly check in with mm-hmm. a counselor. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's kind of what I do day to day. Yeah. Yeah. Again, kind of traditional psychotherapy or counseling services are typically provided in a one-on-one setting, right. um, <clears throat> either through uh, in-person or through telehealth means, you know, there's a lot of flexibility in that. And then you're right. Yeah. Typically once a week is the, I guess, dosage for right. that. So day treatment, you said is a higher level of care right. it's, it's a little bit more um, intensive right. so can you talk just maybe a little bit about that part what kind of goes into day treatment yeah, because is, this is your this is your bread and butter I mean this is what you're doing every day to provide yeah. services for for teens and their families yeah so a day treatment it's 12 to 15 hours a week of group therapy and then individual or family therapy um, to a client and so Um, During our group therapies, we work on different skills with a bunch of other teenagers in the room. We usually have, with COVID, it's a little bit less, but I would say seven is an ideal group size for me. Um, And the teenagers get to have, you know, a trained professional in the room, and we walk through, like, different ways that we can cope in difficult situations, or how can I, um, you know, 
practice my social skills and like saying hello to people when I'm experiencing anxiety. So we get to do um, some of that work within groups, but then also um, providing, you know, education regarding depression and anxiety and what that might look like, different struggles that teens are having um, and how they can cope with that. And the really cool thing about groups and what gravitated me towards working with groups was that teens and maybe parents of teens know this or those of you who have been a teen um, know that like teens don't necessarily like talking to adults all the time. And so when we have teens working with other teens and they're able to provide insights um, or help with problem solving, sometimes that can be oftentimes it's more powerful than that voice coming from an adult, whether that's a family member or even a trained therapist, you know, giving that um, support to a teenager. So that's, it's really powerful to, to work in a group setting um, and to have teens walking along their, their mental health journeys with other teens. Um, so that's a cool thing about the day treatment setting as well, is that they get to do that in those groups. Absolutely. Absolutely. What a, I mean, what a special opportunity for kids to be able to connect with one another because yeah. um, I think that in general, you know, talking about mental health is not something that is done often in person. Yeah. And I, I, I definitely see a lot of online discussions about mental health or people posting about mental health um, and kind of like putting things out there into the world. Um, but that's not really what this this is about. I mean, this is a much more um, close setting. Yeah. Um, and it's, I imagine it feels riskier because here's this person sitting across from me. Whereas maybe if I'm putting this on, you know, Facebook or Instagram, right. Snapchat probably yes. is more likely. Let's, let's be real. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Snapchat. Um that, that actually might feel less risky. Right. But may, in my mind, I think the reverse is actually true. Mm-hmm. Like putting things out on social media that are very personal to me is very risky. Whereas when I'm in a safe environment with being, you know, having guidance from a trained professional right. and other people that also understand, hey, we're here for some of the same reasons. Right. Like that actually is way less risky. Yeah. So I don't I don't know what's been your experience in just that transition for adolescents coming into yes. a day treatment program and being like, whoa, this is like totally different than anything I've yeah. ever experienced. Yeah, I'm smiling here because I'm thinking about most of our teens who first start programming, they don't want to be in our group setting. And then when they graduate, a lot of times they're nervous about when they graduate and they finish programming, they're nervous about um, what does life look like now that I am no longer going to have this day-to-day group Mm -hmm. support. Mm -hmm. Um, So I would say maybe one in 10 teens who walk into our group therapy setting are like, yeah, let's do (laughs) this. Let's, let's talk and, um, learn about mental health and process things and support one another. Um, and it, it really is a a neat process to watch them open up and to practice vulnerability and to learn that it's okay to trust people, Mm -hmm. um, in person. Am I answering your question? I got sidetracked because it's, no, but, and, um, and, the audience knows this. I've said this before. I don't like asking why questions, yeah, but yeah. but this kind of begs the like, like, like why is there this big block sure. for adolescents coming in that sure. they're like, 
this is supposed to be helpful and so much education is being provided about like attend to your mental health right. like do good like take care of yourself do good things for yourself and engaging in counseling is one of those things so mm-hmm. in your mind why do you think there's just this huge barrier right right i think because we don't do that on a day-to-day basis in our society and in our culture we don't talk about mental health at least in person and you were kind of hinting at this before um and as a counselor, I get to have lots of conversations with people about mm-hmm. their struggles and how they're coping with that. But um, yeah, when we're kind of caught up in the day-to-day of life, we're talking about school and whether I got my homework done and who won the Super Bowl and um, all the surface level content. Mm-hmm. And then I think when you add in social media and cell phones, I mean, a lot of, we, we stay at the surface level frequently and that's what teens know. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's the communities that they're immersed in. And so actually opening up and talking about things um, with a real person yeah. can, be, can be really scary. Um, and then something that I always think about with teens too is just what is their home environment looked like too. And um, I think in, in recent years, we have become more, more comfortable with talking about mental health and our struggles and practicing mindfulness and being present. And at the same time, um, I can speak to this as a counselor too, sometimes I struggle with that in my own day-to-day living. I'm not present um, or I, I'm not practicing uh, mindfulness or you know identifying my emotions. And so um, when I'm not modeling that to, to my kids or... Um, in my home, then they, they're going to learn to not do that too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I would, you know, part of this is just the culture that we live in. Right. Um, I think we, you know, we were talking before I hit record on just like, we can't avoid talking about the context that we're living in right now. Right. And um, there have been so many kids that are doing distance learning. Mm-hmm. Um, at times exclusively, sometimes in a hybrid format, but um, there are a lot of barriers, like legitimate real barriers right now to having these face-to-face personal conversations. Yes. Um, So I have two questions, I guess, about that. But the the first one is, um, how did you guys handle that when when things were like locked down and you're still trying to provide services and care to these adolescents and their families, like, mm-hmm. I mean, was there just a period of time where you couldn't do that, yeah. or, um, or what did that look like? Yeah, so I am, was really fortunate at Christian Family Solutions that they had some really awesome telehealth services and supports kind of ready to go. We were doing that prior to needing to do that um, with a global pandemic, so that was awesome that we already like knew how to use telehealth and have a secure network where we could have um, you know confidential groups occurring um, group therapy though over telehealth was something different right yeah. so these teens they need this higher dosage of care and mm-hmm. we were offering that in person and then there was concerns about health and physical health and if we're able to continue to meet their mental health needs well still you know honoring the physical health concerns that are present in the For world sure. and honestly we've still had to cope with that right for this past year so even though we're back in person offering in-person services now there's times when people need to quarantine or they need to um, not come in person for some time and then we're back to those telehealth groups so long answer short we are we did we did telehealth groups and we had six or seven teens join a zoom room Mm -hmm. um, with a therapist and we had to get really creative (laughs) with the ways that we were engaging teens because um believe it or not, the therapist talking about how you can 
I don't know, engage in healthy activities while you're trapped in your home is not as exciting as like the dog bouncing around in the background mm-hmm. or something. Mm-hmm. Um, so we had to get kind of creative with different ways to yeah. to engage teens, but we were able to, to make that transition. And I think even though it wasn't ideal to be over Zoom instead of in person, it was really helpful that we were still able to continue to offer those group supports um, to those teens at the time. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, that flexibility, that um, ability to respond and adapt so quickly um, is incredibly impressive. Yeah. Um, I, I think that's a, that's a shining example um, of <laughs> what I hope would happen, yeah. but I know that that wasn't the case in a lot of a lot of situations um, that you know services were interrupted or stopped. So um, definitely a blessing uh, for those uh, kids that were participating at that point, yeah. even though it wasn't yeah ideal. That's kind of like the mantra: oh, this isn't ideal, <laughs> but we can still get something done here. Right. Um, some, and, and it can be helpful. That's I've heard that over and over and over. Um, so then my second part of the question is like, I, th- I think everybody is attuned to how the pandemic is impacting Mm -hmm. mental health Mm -hmm. like across the board i've been asked Mm -hmm. to talk about this quite a bit and you know different groups and presentations large and small but um i'm kind of curious what your response would be from an adolescent perspective Mm -hmm. you know you're kind of boots on the ground working Mm -hmm. with kids every day what kind of things are you seeing um, in terms of mental health impacts? Yes, yes. So the first big struggle that I think of that parents often come to me with is, well, there's two. Okay, so one, no one's doing well at school right now, and there's a lot of anxiety from parents and teens about, oh, I'm failing my classes, or my teen doesn't have the organizational skills to get things handed in, and now I'm the parent and the dean of students and the math teacher, and that's a lot. Um, so I'm thinking about school as one thing, and kind of the anxiety of performance-related um, concerns as impacted by COVID. And then also um, the increased isolation that we've had too, when we were kind of hinting at that before. So I can start with talking a little bit about school, if that's okay. And, yeah. Um, yeah, let's go there. Performance-related to that. So I a lot of teens and a lot of kids right now are just struggling with distance learning and engaging in school. And I think sometimes, too, um, parents can heighten that anxiety because they want their kids to do well, too. And um, we're all living through difficult times right now. And you were just talking about this is an ideal and we can still have, you know, positive things come out of this experience. And when it comes to school, what I'm really encouraging families and teens to focus on is engaging in school and still liking school to the best of their ability so maybe we're not getting like a's in math class anymore and we're getting more c's and d's or we're only turning in half the assignments but are we able to engage in math class right or am i able to watch those youtube videos where the guy walks through on the whiteboard and i think it's Khan academy and they kind of show you Mm -hmm. all the cool different techniques um, for math and why we have those things if we can still keep that kind of fondness for school or engagement within school and the desire to learn, that's gonna be important coming out of this pandemic. I think that's gonna be a lot more important than the grades that we have. Mm-hmm. Um, and our teens too, knowing like who came up and supported them at the end of this is is gonna be a big takeaway. I don't think anyone's gonna look back 15 years from now and be like, well, I failed that math test. Um, but they are gonna see that parent that showed up, right? And said yeah. like, I care about you. Is there anything I can help you with? Um, can I sit alongside you while you're working? Those are the memories that that we're going to take away. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
I love that um, phrase that you use, fondness for learning. Like that, that's, that, that's something I think that's so key here that we don't want to lose because learning yeah. is a lifelong process. Right. And if, if at this point I start like internalizing messages of like, well, I'm, I suck at this, I'm not a good student, or I don't like learning, school is dumb or boring right. or whatever. Like if I'm really internalizing those messages, then at some point the pandemic is is going to be over, but right. kids are still going to be going back to school. And then what does that look like for them if they if they're kind of coming in with these negative internal storylines about school? Right, right. The other part um, you were kind of touching on was just like um, I'll use the word like closeness or proximity right. um, for parents with their their teens at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I think there's a potential for increased conflict mm-hmm. around school. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's probably more related to just high, high levels of stress. Yeah. Um, and ve- being overly focused maybe on outcomes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't think we can get away from focusing on outcomes because it's school and that's like... The um, system. Yeah, that's the system that <laughs> mm-hmm. we have right now that we that we have to work with and mm-hmm. maybe that's a topic for a different day <laughs> but but it is a reality so right. so um how how are you coaching parents to kind of moderate their level of intensity mm-hmm. when they're approaching their kid about hey you haven't turned in an algebra assignment in the last two weeks right. you know like what's up right. you know like what what are what are some of the phrases that you're using or the, mm-hmm. the coaching strategies that you're using. Mm-hmm. And this is not even something that's related to COVID, but just kind of a guiding parenting principle. We cannot help our teens or our kids regulate if we are dysregulated. Um, and so when I'm talking about regulation, I'm just talking about being able to cope with our emotions and feel um, like we're kind of grounded in a situation and we're able to, to be present and to have control of what's going on mm-hmm. um or of ourselves not the entire situation because we can't ever have nope. control of an entire no. situation <laughs> so um i take that that strategy though and use that with parents then when we're talking about distance learning or um, addressing school and performance in school and so if a parent themselves is feeling stressed about their teen's performance or like oh my goodness is something wrong with my teenager and their anxiety is up when they go into that situation that's going to automatically your teen is going to be on the defense because mm-hmm. they're going to perceive that, you know, something's off here. Um, but if we can come into a situation like that regulated and from a, I want to come alongside you and help you and I'm here to support you and I love you no matter what. Um, when we come from that approach, that's that's going to have stronger effects and we might actually, you know, have a teen open up to us and tell us what is really going on and not just like, I don't know, I turned them in, but mm-hmm. they must not have actually went in. I heard that one yeah. before, you know? Yep. Um, yep. So anyways, that's when we ha- when we go into a situation regulated, able to cope with our own emotions, whether that's, you know, parent taking a five, 10 minute break between reading the things on the portal and going to their teen to talk about it, mm-hmm. 
or maybe a day break. I mean, I don't yeah, know. I don't know. <laughs> five, I'm ten thinking, minutes was gracious. Yeah, five, five or ten minutes, boy. <laughs> if, uh, if the parents out there have got that down, please uh, send me an email and yes. let me know how you're doing that. You can be the next podcast yeah. guest. <laughs> yes, exactly. No, because I think it does take time because we, we need processing time right. as parents when we get that information and we see, oh, you know, like things aren't going well or this thing hasn't happened, right. you know, or oh, there's another failing grade or yeah. something. Um, and and honestly, I think you're right. This is even outside of COVID. Right. Um, I think maybe parents are compelled to be more involved because of COVID, right. which could be a good thing. Yeah. Um, but the reality is, is that any parent, when they see their kid not doing well in school, think is going to have a reaction to mm-hmm. that. And we can't come at the teen with the reaction. Right. We need to kind of sort through some of that for ourselves. Yeah. Um, whether that's doing some grounding for ourselves, kind of stepping back and taking perspective, like what's really important here mm-hmm. is this is this the grade or is this the re- or is the relationship more important? Yes. And I, I I pray that the relationship always takes yeah the priority as yeah. the as the precedence. Um, because if we lose that, then the grades don't really matter, then mm-hmm. do they? No. Yeah. Yeah. So, so respond, not react. Give yourself some time. Maybe it's a day. Yes. Um, maybe you know. And if it is something more urgent, um, just be intentional with right. regulating before you walk into that situation. What What if things escalate while you're having the conversation, either on the parent or the teen or both? Right. Well, if it's the parent that things are escalating, you can feel that internally, like I'm getting angry or I'm feeling more anxious or this is disappointing. Take a break and model that for your teen, right? Like, okay, I'm feeling frustrated right now. I'm going to step outside for a mm-hmm. minute and, mm-hmm. um, you know, compose myself and then let's continue this conversation in a little while. That's, I know sometimes that can, that's vulnerable for parents to do, to be able to express their emotions to their teens and it's, uh, uncomfortable for a lot of people because it is vulnerable and at the same time that's really what we're asking our teens to do with us right so if we can show them how to do that a plus mm-hmm. that's mm-hmm. that's funny as we're talking about schools <laughs> school grades now you're grading yes parents. i'm grading yeah. i'm not grading your parenting style <laughs> um but anyways if we're able to model that for our teens i mean that's there's not much better than that right. um and then if your teen becomes upset too, you can you can say, let's come back to this at a different time. I can see that you're feeling upset right now, or it looks like maybe this is uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Can we come back and talk to this about this after dinner or tomorrow mm-hmm. morning or at a time maybe when you're feeling um, like would be better for you? What would be a better time for you? What could be a better time yeah. for you? So Yeah, yeah. Just but asking those questions like ask, because I think sometimes there's a, a sense of urgency yes. with like, oh, we're, we're, we've got to deal with this now. We've got to figure out a solution. And and there's maybe too much pressure to just get right to the answer. Yeah. And unfortunately, when kids aren't talking, um, it's the parent or the adult that's providing the solution. And that may not, yeah. <clears throat> that may not actually be a good fit. Uh, so I don't know. I... I always encourage people to approach things from a collaborative standpoint. Yes. Like, here are my concerns. What are your concerns? And then can we work on it? Even creating a list of like mm-hmm. three or four different options and and then we can just try them out. Yeah. You know, we don't have to say, oh, this is it. You're going to do it this way and it has to be this way. Um, 
because I think that kind of starts to fall into more coercive yep. tactics, and um, and that again hurts the relationship. Right. And what a great bridge as we think about our teens transitioning into adulthood, right? Um, Parents are not always going to be there to provide their teens with. These are the three solutions that Mm -hmm. you can try or the three things that you can try to get the solution that you need. Um, We really do need to walk alongside our teens and watch them experience things that they're going to fail at and be right alongside them as they do that and provide new strategies. Um, That's that's what being a teen and parenting a teen is is about is yep. prepping them for adulthood so yep. that's a, a great yeah bridge. having an, an eye to the future exactly. always um not getting too bogged down in the immediate moment so other uh, i don't know other insights or kind of reflections that you have on this whole school process yeah i was okay. talking a little bit about isolation too yeah that's the so, other one that i have down here yeah. for us because you know you Obviously, those are those go hand in hand at yeah. this point because so much of social interaction takes place at school. Right. Um, and when that's taken away and then some of the gathering places are right. also limited or closed. Right. Um, that makes it that's another barrier, another mm-hmm. obstacle. So so talk a little bit about this, the issue of increased isolation during mm-hmm. the pandemic and mm-hmm. how that's impacting mental health. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Yes. So our teens have more opportunities to isolate. We all know that, right? And I think a a thing too that a lot of parents have concerns about right now is like my teen is spending so much time in their room alone and what are they doing in there? Um, Is this normal? What is normal right now? Uh, Get that question a lot. Is this normal? (laughs) And so uh, when I I think about isolation, I think the first thing is perspective taking. Like when we are not in school, let's say we're not in school for seven, eight hours per day, we can't expect that our teen is going to spend those seven or eight hours that they typically are spending walking around school and interacting with other people um, with our families and in the living room, right? So there is going to be just naturally increased times um, that teens are going to to be alone or need need breaks comes they're going through this transition just like we are um, but then when I think about isolation too and kind of loss of, of structure that teens have had in their life um, and this increased communication online um, so as parents are thinking about how to gauge what's normal in a very abnormal situation right. they're con- they're expressing concerns about how much time um, my teen is spending on their own versus how much time they're spending with my family. Right. Is this, you know, what's what's a good balance? Right. Um, because, you know, forced family time, I don't, so I don't yeah, I don't see that <laughs> going over sure. super well either. But, um, but there still needs to be some like touch points right. throughout the day and evening right. where you're, yeah, you are having that communication with your teen. They're not just in their room. So how, I guess, what are, <clears throat> what are some of the, the useful ways that parents can kind of structure that yeah, um, yeah. at home so that they are having those touch points? Yeah. I think if the, you have the luxury of having space in your house where we can transition from being out of bedrooms to having space where you can be alone elsewhere, that that's amazing. And definitely if you have... those options in your home take advantage of them so um, if you can have a school area that's not in the classroom love it make it happen I know not every family has access to do that um, or ability to do that um, depending on who's all in the home at a time but if we can have that that time 
um, where we're leaving our bedrooms and um, there's potential for you know connection opportunities in the hallway or in the kitchen those are important things too I had a teen um, the other day who was struggling with isolating and she was like I think I'm just gonna try to drink more water because then I'll have to like get up and use the bathroom and (laughs) have to fill up my water again and I was like Mm -hmm. that's amazing like what a great opportunity because you go to the kitchen and somebody's in the kitchen and then you're in the hallway and you see your cat and you pet your cat for a little bit so um, we can kind of get creative with those things too if we we have those options so drink water use Mm -hmm. other rooms besides your bedroom if possible Um, but then too still kind of having those um, like you were talking about structure within the day so we're having breakfast approximately at this time Mm -hmm. or um, if the family's all home we're doing family lunch right at Mm -hmm. noon if that's possible Um, and then family dinners I'm a big proponent for sitting around a table in the evening and sharing a meal together and being able to talk about your day that's really important so um, we can still have some of those things even when things are abnormal or situations yeah. change those can be consistent points that that remain or that we add in at this mm-hmm. time and hopefully stick around um after things return to normal whatever normal, normal will yeah. Be. yeah yeah well and and i would say that in a number of cases things are opening up more yeah um, yep. and kids have been in school kids yes. are participating in activities and so it's not i mean there, i know there are some communities where yeah, school has still been, you know, very limited mm-hmm. or only distance learning right. or, you know, you're going two days a week yeah. or something like that. And that's just incredibly difficult to manage when you're kind of either it's one thing if you're always at home yep. or if you're always at school. But this like back and forth, I think, is is extremely uh, challenging for yeah. families to just have that level of flexibility. Mm-hmm. Um you know, people are working, people have other commitments. Yeah. It just it puts an incredible strain on the on the family system. So, mm-hmm. but the reality is a lot of places are opening back up. Yeah. A lot of kids are back in school. Um, I don't know. Are you seeing some yeah. kind of benefits to like some normalcy returning? Mm-hmm. I mean, are, are kids experiencing like, I mean, kids are resilient. Mm-hmm. We, mm-hmm. we, that that's true. We know that. Yep. We know that. Um, they actually probably adapt a lot better than some of us adults right. Right. Uh, because they're used to change. Everything's always changing for them. Right. So, but what kind of benefits are you noticing now that maybe things are opening up, loosening? Yeah, people are back in school. Yeah, um, as a counselor, I really struggled when things were were shut down because so often the teens that I work with, either because they have um, you know, symptoms of depression and they're isolating or because they have symptoms of anxiety and they're worried about how society will perceive them, mm-hmm. they um, they aren't getting those social connections. And so they were, you know, like when the world shut down, they were like, woohoo, I get to stay in my bedroom all day yeah. or like at my house. Yeah. Um, and so having those opportunities that we can even talk about, is this a possibility that you can go to youth group or that you could, um, you know, maybe go to the mall with the friend for an hour on the weekend or something like that we can talk about those things um, and see what what might be a good fit we just Mm -hmm. had such limited options when things were all over zoom and honestly like zoom can be kind of awkward for that first meeting so um you know being like oh i'll go to my virtual youth group with these seven people and i've never been before that that Mm -hmm. was extremely anxiety provoking so um while there is some i think increased anxiety that i have seen too as we transition back into 
uncomfortable situations like being exposed to other people um, and not from like a health perspective, but from a, I'm afraid how people are going to perceive yeah, me perspective. Yeah, the interpersonal aspects yeah, of yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Um, there's so many benefits to being able to interact with people face to face, like we were talking about before, mm-hmm. and having those authentic connections. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's uh, again, it's a transition, and so yep. now it's like trying to figure out, well, how do I do this again? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, so yeah, things are always always changing. Yes. And uh, so flexibility is is an imperative at this point. But, right. Um, yeah, it's just looking for opportunities when they present themselves or creating Absolutely. some opportunities. Um, I had a guest on that was, um, you know, he talked about what what can we say yes to during yeah. this time because yeah. so much of what our conversation is is focused on no. And I just I, I just love that, and I've mm-hmm. used that over and over again um, in my own life and in my conversations with people is like let's try and get to a yes with something. Right. Um, so... How do parents, um, you know, if they, if they have a reluctant teen, yeah. you know, they're they're maybe un, unsure about getting together with other people, not not because of health concerns, but just because I haven't done this in a while and yeah. I don't I don't feel confident, yeah. you know, hanging out at the mall or mm-hmm. um, what what are some things that parents can do to just support their kids when they're feeling that reluctance or mm-hmm. that hesitancy to re-engage mm-hmm. so for sure before we were talking about different questions that you can ask your kids and as you know counselors we always preach like open-ended questions so mm-hmm. what could be instead of like would you like to go to the mall that's a yes or no you could say like who might you like to go to the mall with or who mm-hmm. might you feel comfortable spending a couple hours with i know you've really used to like watching movies with your friends on friday nights who might you like to watch a movie with mm-hmm. uh, in the coming weeks or something like that? Or what movie might you want to see in the coming weeks? Mm-hmm. Oh, I know your friend so-and-so really likes that kind of movie. Maybe we can all go together. Um, so so offering some of those kind of coaching, problem-solving strategies with connecting can be helpful. Um, and then parents, I think this is probably more helpful for younger teens, like that 13, 14-year-old sure. yeah. um, age. But you can have some kind of coordination too, like, hey, I know that our neighbor needs some help shoveling the snow, right? Mm-hmm. And you know mm-hmm. that that neighbor is out shoveling the snow. Can you go out and help them, right? So they're still going to get that social connection point um, mm-hmm. with another person. Or um, this was with an even younger kiddo, but I had um, one, one of my teens or one of my kids um, – he had a dog and he got together like for a doggy play date with the neighbor next door for their dogs. Mm-hmm. And it was like mm-hmm. the dogs playing together, but it was really like the kids interacting as their sure. dogs played together yeah. um, because they were lonely. So um, that's for even younger kids. But I'm thinking kind of that mentality of like, how can we help coordinate some of those social mm-hmm. situations? And I think when we get to, you know, 16, 17, 18, um, there's probably going to be a little bit more resistance to that. Mm-hmm. Um, but for our younger, younger teens who can't drive yet and do even need parent coordination to help with some of that parents can help yeah a certain level of structuring and coordination is necessary and even yeah you're right as as they kind of 15 16 it's really like driving age then then it seems like okay there's a little bit more freedom here and it's more just about encouraging that they that they do that yeah right and giving them opportunities to do that and yeah um, and supporting them when they express a desire to want to do something. Right. Um, I, I, I've 
definitely seen that in my own household yeah. um, with my my teenage boys, yeah. the, my two oldest. They, <clears throat> you know, they want to get together with somebody. Yeah. And they kind of make all their plans, but then, you know, they're not always great about like, um, hey, mom and dad, is this okay if, right, or does right, this work right. for us? But we really, you know, we want them to do that. So we really just try and support them as much as possible. And even if it's not super convenient, it's still like, yep, we want to just kind of go that extra mile to make sure right. that this happens. Yeah. And just again trying to say yes to those things and support mm-hmm. them because i think then momentum builds and it's like oh yeah this is how it's right this is how it's supposed to be and right. i get more comfortable and um yeah and then it's like yeah th- this is where i want to be mm-hmm. i want to be with my friends mm-hmm. i want to be uh more active and engaged in life mm-hmm. and i think when teens know that their parents want that or they're open to that too that's really helpful for so if even saying like um, would you like to spend some time with your friends? Or do you think we could invite so-and-so over? Um, our teens, teens do this thing where they want to protect their parents. Um, I don't know if little kids do this, but a lot of teenagers will kind of, they'll, they'll not share like what's really going on with them with their parents. And part of that is, this is uncomfortable. I'm sharing my emotions with my parents, but part of it's like, I can tell my mom's stressed right now. And so I'm not going to talk to her about my tough day. Or um, I know that, you know, work has been really, intense for dad and so he's really busy and he probably doesn't want to drive me to my friend's house and so our teens knowing that we're going to show up next to them or we would we would be open to them going to a friend's house even though um there's still some health concerns in our community um that's that's going to be okay i might say yes to that right Mm -hmm. um that might increase that comfort of them engaging too yeah trying to make it work and maybe it's not exactly how they thought it was going to be but I'm still working with them, walking with them. You know, that's kind of the theme here is just coming alongside uh, them to support them and saying yes or getting things done or attending to what their needs are. Right. Yeah. 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 It's good stuff. So outside of, you know, just school and and some of these isolation issues, um, just... I want to broaden it a little bit and just talk about how, from a developmental standpoint, you know, teens are going through some really critical years Mm -hmm. right now. Um, A lot of identity development, um, a ton of physical changes, Mm -hmm. um, learning all about social relationships and dating Mm -hmm. and these kind of things. Like, Mm -hmm. there's so many developmental tasks at this stage. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm wondering what, what do you see as, I guess, some of the major ones that, mm-hmm. you know, okay, this is something as a parent I've got to attend to. I've mm-hmm. got to make sure I'm giving time to this mm-hmm. kind of developmental task or need right, right. Um, for, for my teenager. Right, right. So teens are, are tough sometimes because they have all these emotions, right? And their brains are not fully developed, so they don't know how to work with through those emotions, right? Mm-hmm. Or be able to um, control those impulses. So I think that's kind of the first thing that parents have to remember when we're thinking about the development of our teenagers and where they're at, yeah. is that they are experiencing the full range of emotions that adults can, but they don't have that fully uh, developed prefrontal cortex that allows them to kind of navigate those emotions and to be Mm -hmm. able to say, hmm, I need to take a break right now and uh, recollect myself. And so 
Um, again, I'm going to talk about parents coming alongside their teenagers and modeling those skills for them or helping them problem solve and asking those questions like we've been talking about for a while. And so I think that's that's really one of the biggest things that we're looking for parents to do is come alongside their parents or alongside their teens and walk with them through this journey of teenagehood until they become adults, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and our goal is not that when our, our kids are 18 that they... Um, you know, still have a million restrictions on their cell phone and they uh, can only go someplace when, you know, our goal when our teens turn 17, 18 years old is that they're able to make some more of those adult decisions. Yeah. And we as parents can feel confident in their ability to mm-hmm. to make those decisions. And we get to help kind of guide and influence that in those teenage years, 13, 14, 15, 16, as they are developing those skills of decision making. Um, so I see that as kind of one of the big, bigger things, the tasks that teens are doing is just developing how to cope with their emotions and the range of emotions that they're feeling, and then transitioning into an adult and um, feeling confident in the decisions that they're making. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and those obviously go hand in hand, too, because um, when I feel something, that usually triggers some sort of a behavior or action on yes. my part, right? So then my decision-making is more likely to be driven by my current state, my emotional state at that point right. than it is any, any, anything else, any other you know, nugget of wisdom that my parent has given me <laughs> or some core value that I have, right. but it really is like I'm feeling this right now and this is kind of directing the path that I'm going. Right. Um, right. So that can lead to what looks like impulsiveness Yep. Right. Or risk taking mm-hmm. um, or or even just, boy, that really doesn't seem to match up with the situation. Like your reaction is like right. way disproportionate to this. Yeah. And so and, and it can go both ways. I've, I have seen it both ways where it's like right. this is kind of a big deal, but there's like nothing really happening. Like, right. No, the reaction is way too little. <laughs> like, nope, right. this is a big deal. Right. Um, and then other times it's like, oh, this is a small thing, but yeah, that reaction, reaction is yeah, kind of over the top. Yeah. Um, so just recognizing that that those yeah. are like some of the big developmental tasks right now. Right. And, and modeling, like you said. Yeah. Coaching, um, having some input, um, but then ultimately stepping back too. I mean, this is kind of a process of uh, stepping back in terms of level of control. Right. So you were talking about like restrictions on a cell phone. Like right. yeah. that's going to look very different for somebody who's 12 or 13 right. versus somebody who's 17 or 18. Yep. Right. And we can't give the 13-year-old 17-year-old permissions. Right. And we can't hold the 17-year-old hostage to 13-year-old permissions either. Right. But right. that's so tricky to navigate for parents, isn't it? It is. It is. And it changes and it's different for every kid yeah. and it's different for every situation that's going on and for honestly like every app that's created, you're like, "Whoa, what is this one now? <laughs> what can we do on here?" Um so there yeah, there does have to be different boundaries and I think um if we're talking about screen time for a minute too, one of the best things that we can do as parents is showing up alongside our kids on screen time. And that doesn't necessarily mean like okay, I'm going to friend you on Facebook and on Snapchat and on mm-hmm. Instagram. Mm-hmm. But it can look like we're going to engage in screen time at the same time in the same area. So uh, TikTok came out this past year, and I don't know right. if your kids are on TikTok or not, but a lot of the teens I work with are on TikTok. And some of the stuff on TikTok is hilarious. Yeah. Um, and so 
I'll, you know, my teens will be like, hey, look at this. Like, this is this cool thing that I saw. And then we get to have that bonding moment mm-hmm. over TikTok. And then we might see this video that pops up that we're like, oh, that's maybe not the most appropriate video. And we get to have a conversation about it because we're looking at that media together. Yeah. Um, so that can kind of be a, like a fun connection thing for parents to do with teens too, I think, is just being open to learning about what they're doing online um, and engaging online and you know, looking at those funny memes with them and sharing laughter and connection in that way. Um, mm-hmm. That's, mm-hmm. those moments are really good. Yeah. Yeah. And that, that's, that's uh, the best use, right? Is where we're, we're just taking some intentional time. Yeah. We're trying to be purposeful. Um, we're doing it together. Right. And, uh, and it's just a connection point. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the downside to that is then that becomes, the focus, right, right, of all of my attention, and that's all I'm doing. Um, I was, <laughs> my kids are kind of sick of uh, me saying this, uh, <laughs> beca- but I heard it. I was listening to another podcast, and I mm-hmm. was like, "Oh, that is so true." Uh, the guest on the podcast said, "Scrolling is the new smoking." Oh yeah. And uh, and what stood out to them is like somebody got up and they went outside so that they could smoke yeah. and while they were smoking they were just scrolling just yeah. scrolling on their phone and yeah they, and so they made this observation oh like scrolling really is the new smoking it it's is. just like when you don't know what else to do you oh, scroll I, I, you scroll yeah right? um and so um i will yeah bring that to <laughs> to my teen's attention yeah. um and they know i'm doing it lovingly like i'm yeah. not like being uh all hardcore about it but um, you know, it's, it, it's just trying to bring their attention. Like, eh, that maybe isn't something that you need yes. to do right now. Like we could be doing something else. Right. Right. Um, so I don't know. Are there other kind of ways that maybe parents are yeah. using humor or using just some other, I don't know, some other methods to kind of help their teens reflect on or like think about their digital use you know their their online use yeah um youtube is another big one i was just gonna say you know that (laughs) uh like hours and hours and hours can be lost i know watching youtube Mm -hmm. um and because it's just oh if you like this then how about how about this and if you like that then how about this and it's just constantly being suggested and the whole um the whole purpose is to just keep you there yeah Right. And our teens are most vulnerable to that when we think, again, about kind of developmentally what, what teens are doing. So teenagers are preparing for adulthood. And what happens in adulthood is we kind of think about like the decisions and where we're going to go in life and what we're going to do in life. And so we're constantly seeking out new situations as teens, which is we're like, yes, as parents, this is really great when we're thinking about, oh, I'll try youth group or I'll try out for the basketball team or um, I'm going to join art club or whatever it is. Th- those new experiences, those are all positive things too. But then when you think about like YouTube and Instagram and those scrolling and they're generating the content or Netflix, which is like, are you still watching? Right. Yeah. And you're like, yes, I am. <laughs> <laughs> um, but when we have those platforms that are really, I mean, they're they're made to, mm-hmm. to suck teens in and it's constantly yeah. giving them that new stimuli, which their brains are like, yes, this is what I want. I want to identify new things, but it's not in the real world, mm-hmm. which is, it's concerning because um, we need yeah. to have those experiences in, in the real world so we can think about 
what what comes next and what mm-hmm. we like and identify um, some of those things that will make us who we are. So, uh, I have not watched it, but I want to, and I want to watch it with with my boys. Yeah. Um, the social dilemma. Mm-hmm. I think that's what it's called, right? Mm-hmm. The Netflix. Have you have you seen it? I've not seen it, you but haven't. I've heard. Okay really good and creepy things yeah. <laughs> about it so but I, I think it would I've um I've actually had some some families that I work with that have talked okay. about watching it with their teens so okay. yeah. would recommend yeah that's that's another kind of um just another thing that I'm gonna do to yeah. just again stimulate conversation about yeah. our digital access and and um how we need to be intentional with how we use that and yeah. and really understand <clears throat> Unfortunately, some of the more insidious sides of it. Um, yeah, you know, it was again recently brought to my attention. You know how much how much does Google know about you? You know, and you can actually look at that now on on Google. You can kind of look and see how they've profiled you in sure. terms of your interest for populating ads and um, suggestions on content and media. So all you know, again, I think coming at it not from like a do this because I'm telling you to. Right. But like, let's engage in something together. Yeah. And then we can have a conversation about it. Right. Because then it's less of, well, I think this and you think this. Right. But like, like, oh, well, what are your thoughts about that? Mm-hmm. Or what is your perception of that? And this is kind of what I was reacting to. Right. And it's, I think, disarms mm-hmm. some of what can feel again, adversarial yeah. or controlling, yep. um, but really just trying to provide education and, and like awareness. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that's another thing that I'm planning on doing. Love and that. Yeah. Um, definitely uh, after I've done that, maybe I'll talk about it in, a, in another podcast, yes. what the outcome Stay of tuned. that was. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> to be continued. So um, so you were, you were talking a little bit about uh, some connection strategies yeah. yes. there really like, oh, like let's go on TikTok together and like watch right. some funny videos. Right. Um, I've watched YouTube with my kids. Yeah. Um, and you're right. Some of it is super funny. Yeah. Um, and then some of it is like, oh goodness, please let's skip. Like, can we move forward yeah. from <laughs> yes. this? Like, this is not appropriate. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so there, that, that can feel a little like Oh, this is kind of risky, like because mm-hmm. then if they're just watching that on their own. So, yeah. Yeah. outside of those media yeah. methods, what are some other ways that you're encouraging kind of some of those connection strategies yes. for parents and their teens? Yes, I referenced before, but big fan of meal times. Those are, I mean, everybody has to eat, um, mm-hmm. or we all should be eating. Mm-hmm. Um, so, when you can eat together, that that is ideal. Um, we what, don't, what makes yeah. that so valuable in your mind? Yeah, I, it's just a, a touch point for a family or people to connect. Um, and I think food, when we have something else that's in front of us, that's bringing us together, it doesn't have to be as awkward as just mm-hmm. like sitting at a table with someone and how was your day? But when we have something that we're kind of doing together as an activity that that can um, make it feel more natural I guess um so like I was saying like we have to eat Mm -hmm. um so why don't we eat together Mm -hmm. um that can be something I think too just like inviting your teens to tag along on errands that you're doing and they probably hate this but maybe they'll love it if you (laughs) stop at Starbucks on the way Mm -hmm. or something Mm -hmm. um but just going for you know like a little coffee run or hey I'm running to the grocery store and then I was thinking about swinging through the McDonald's drive-thru for an ice cream cone on the Mm -hmm. way home 
99 cents, I think. Yeah. Let's do it. Yeah. Um, so those those opportunities that you can have, um, I think driving is a, a great one too. And that's why I'm talking about errands here. Because mm-hmm. again, we're in the same place at the same time. Um, but our, our activity has a purpose that's n- not connecting, but really we are still having mm-hmm. that opportunity to mm-hmm. connect with them. Um, so that can be really helpful, I think, to those those opportunities. And just continuing to provide times when you're showing up alongside your teen and doing similar activities. Mm-hmm. Um, if your teen is cleaning their room, they have to clean their room, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you don't have to clean their room with them every time. But could you show up alongside them and help them clean their room sometime if they're open to it? Mm-hmm. I think that that could be a really great opportunity to have some some natural conversation with your teen or um, mm-hmm. other household tasks too. So. Folding laundry. I was thinking about the sock drawer <laughs> at my house of all the spare socks. Yeah. Tackling yeah. that guy. No, well, yeah. I mean, it'll be folding laundry. Maybe, you know, we're listening to music yeah. or yeah, well, maybe a show is on, maybe it's not, but I mean, the laundry has got to get folded. So yeah. if there are three or four of us all sitting around, let's, let's just do it together then. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So even kind of those, um, yeah, benign kinds of activities. It doesn't have to be something right. spectacular every time. Um, in fact, it's that's more the exception. The rule really does need to be just day-to-day kind of living, being with one another, sharing that space, and uh, creating times to be able to yeah. just be in that space together. Yeah. You mentioned music, too, and I think that's a really great way that we can bond with our teens is our the teens that I work with all the time are playing me music and I'm like, wow, mm-hmm. that's deep. We got some stuff mm-hmm. going on underneath there. We don't always talk about the deep stuff that's going mm-hmm. on underneath, but it's just kind of a picture into what's going on in their world right now. Yeah. And so as much as parents can tolerate the music that their teens are listening to, mm-hmm. um, being able to listen to music with them, mm-hmm. I think is a, a really great way to, yeah. to connect and learn a little bit more about what's going on without having explicit conversation about what's going on. Right. Right. Um, so there's this uh, phrase that I've used over the years of um, joining. Yeah. Um, and I, th- I feel like that's uh, kind of a theme in some of what you're talking about here is that there are times when we're going to be invitational. Right. And we're going to have them tag along with us or come and do something and come alongside us. But um, we also need to balance that out with joining, which is things that they're doing, things that they're interested in, and like participating along with them in that and a a lot of times that can be digital stuff you know you know like videos or gaming is another one um and i've talked about that um on the podcast in previous episodes too and i enjoy doing that with all of my kids you know um but yeah those are things that they're interested in and music inevitably at some point in our adolescent development for all of us has been like uh, a, an expressive yes. medium for yes. us, right? Yes. Yeah, that, that we can connect with. So maybe we're sharing some of our favorite music, but that's, again, being invitational, try, trying to get right. them into our world. I think it's also really important for us to get into their world and um, kind of rub shoulders with them with whatever they're interested in. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. What what are your what are your thoughts about um, when when kids are participating in activities outside mm-hmm. of the home? You mm-hmm. know, whether it's athletics or mm-hmm. or music or mm-hmm. other um, yeah, just other activities. How 
what kind of guidance would you give to parents in terms of their level of involvement or participation or mm-hmm. like attendance of things? Like, mm-hmm. I think, you know, some parents maybe have the belief that they need to be there mm-hmm. for everything, mm-hmm. like all the time. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not going to miss a game or I'm not going to miss right. a thing. And then right. maybe there are other times where it's like, it's just an impossibility. Right. Like I can't make that. And then typically there's some guilt that comes along with that. Like, right. oh, I want to be there, but I I can't, right. you know? Right. So I don't know what, what kind of, what's your reaction to yeah, that? Yeah, yeah. I think one, having conversations with our teens about what that looks like for us. So I'm not coming to your basketball game, not because you didn't score any points last time, <laughs> but because I have this work thing and I wish I could be there, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so having those conversations beforehand about kind of like expectations for what the season or what the performance is or whatever the activity looks like. Um, and then, yeah, making decisions about about what works for you, what your maybe your teen doesn't even care whether you're there or not. Um, I know some teens could, no, they say they could care less if their parents are yeah. showing up or not. Um, I don't always believe yeah, that. Yeah, they probably do like um, knowing that, that their people are showing up for them and, yeah. and being there. Um, but there, there doesn't have to be the guilt too. I think that we can model um, healthy boundaries again for our teens in the way that we make decisions and the way that we, um, uh, you know, schedule things um, for our teens. I, I wonder like what it communicates to our teens if we're at basketball games four nights a week, right, for a teen or something mm-hmm. like that, mm-hmm. um, that we're always there, what that what that says about us and the way that we're living our adult lives. And I think it can communicate to teens like, I love you and I care about you. Um, but I don't know if it's a realistic look at, you know, like a healthy adult life either mm-hmm. to be 100% immersed in the, yeah. the high school basketball team. Do you know yeah. what I'm saying there? Yep. yep. So, yeah, I do. Um, you know, and yeah, I think it's, it's a, again, there's a balance here somewhere. Right. Um, of being able to communicate, you know, care and support and interest. Right. Um, and sometimes in order to do that, you do it best just by showing up. Right. Um, and other times when you can't, um, you can communicate that it's still important. Yeah. Um, and I have this other thing. Right, right. right. And that doesn't take away or diminish my right. support and care for you. Right. Um, but I, and I think kids will, teens will get that um Mm -hmm. but as parents we need to like recognize that too Mm -hmm. like so that we're either one not um overly guilting ourselves, right right? um because it's like oh i can't i can't be there Mm -hmm. um and i quote unquote should Mm -hmm. or Mm -hmm. um the only way that i can communicate my support is by being there all the time right 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 Nope, that's that's not the case either. Right. So um, anytime we fall into those extremes, I think we're kind of setting ourselves up and we need to have a more moderated yeah. uh, perspective on it. That is a good rule when yeah. we're using those all or nothings. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, other, um, I'm, I'm thinking about some other like yeah. connection points. Yeah. Um, so, you know, as... We were kind of talking about kids and engaged in activities, mm-hmm. um, and then there are things within the home. What about within our faith community? Because mm-hmm. um, that's another aspect of life that, um, again, at times has been diminished or restricted right. during the pandemic. Um, again, things are opening up, and there's mm-hmm. more things available, mm-hmm. but we're not accustomed to doing that. I know. Right? But 
kind of trying to support that reintegration into our faith community mm-hmm. and participating in that part of life. Mm-hmm. Um, again, that's another developmental thing for yeah. kids too, just yeah. thinking about, you know, faith and religion and mm-hmm. um, what does it mean to, you know, that I'm a member at this church and right. all of these kind of things. And now, yeah, that's been a little more complicated. Yeah. Over the last year. Right. Because we've had the kind of the opportunity to not engage or to semi-engage yeah. in. Um, or it's really engage at our own level yeah, or at our you. own time, <laughs> yes, you know, because yeah, yeah. everything wonderfully, everything is so available right. online. Right. It's like, oh, I don't, I don't have to get up and right. go to church at that time. I can watch it whenever. Yeah. It's just that sometimes I, I'm sure the whenever doesn't happen. Yep, yep. Yeah, and a lot of these parents uh, that I work with or the teens that I work with and the parents who are asking the questions, we're having these conversations about like, well, yeah, I used to go to church, and now I never go to church, and mom and dad are going again, but I just kind of fell off the bandwagon, I guess, with mm-hmm. the, um, COVID, and I had the opportunity to sleep in on Sunday. Um, so I think with teens, and I think about faith, the first thing that I, I typically re- recommend is engaging in a youth group or some sort of activity that we're going to get some of that law and gospel incorporated, but then we're also going to have fun while we're there. Mm-hmm. And I know that's not a parent-teen thing that we're typically going to youth group with our kids, um, but if we can get them kind of in the doors, that's helpful. Yeah, that's going to be something that we want to support or even maybe advocate advocate yeah. for say oh the, here's an opportunity you know they're usually time limited yeah. you know so it's like you it's only an hour and a half or right. something you know right do you want to invite a friend things like that oh, those yeah. can be great ways Absolutely. to to kind of increase that buy-in or we're gonna stop at culver's on the way home and mm-hmm. get the ice cream mm-hmm. those are yes whatever that food again yes i'm very i'm a food motivated person <laughs> can you tell um but anyways then having those conversations too about what does going to church as a family look like for us right yeah. now um i parents they want to be back in church in person, right? Or we're going two Sundays a month. Or mm-hmm. teen, maybe you're coming with us two Sundays a month, or we'd like you to come with us two Sundays a month, and then two Sundays a month we can watch from home at noon on Sunday in our pajamas. Sure. Um, and we're going to join you in that too. Mm-hmm. Um, so making some of those decisions, especially as our teens um, are older, you know, 15, 16, 17 years old, can they have some say? Um, and we're going to kind of set that structure and that expectation of our family member or our family goes to church together, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but maybe teen yeah, gets to have some... Yeah, this is an us thing, a we thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but maybe teen can have some say in what that looks like on, mm-hmm. a, on a week-to-week basis or mm-hmm. monthly basis. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then, like you said, I th- I, and I think that's spot on. Um, I know some of the best experiences that I had like associated with church growing up were activity-based, mm-hmm. you know, whether mm-hmm. that was... Um, a lock-in or, you know, a camping trip or, you know, whatever, like youth convention or rally or something like that. Like those are the ones that are kind of like ingrained in my head. And so as we're able to do those things, like, yeah, that those are good. We want to encourage that. That's, that's a good opportunity. Mm -hmm. Um, And yeah, again, I guess if there's some reluctance or, or resistance to that, um, it's, it's trying to meet them where they're at and let right. them have a say in how some of this happens. So, mm-hmm. okay, if not this, then what what else could right. we do? It's not, the option isn't either no church or all church, right? right. There's got to be some input 
mm-hmm. on that level of engagement. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. As we were talking about enjoying teen activities at church and how that was formative for you and your relationship with your church community, I'm thinking about parents and engaging or re-engaging in those activities too. So if we have the opportunity to go to Bible study or, um, you know, cook the Lenten dinner or whatever Mm -hmm. it is where the adults Mm -hmm. are engaging too, that's an opportunity for us to model to our teens um, that this is a safe thing and this is a thing that's positive for me um, to have social connections and um, social connections with people who who have the same beliefs that we do. Those Mm -hmm. are important things to have in Mm -hmm. life. Yeah. And then... So again, that's outside of the home, and then of course that can tra- be translated back into the home in terms mm-hmm. of some of these connection strategies yeah. that, um, you know, that we're still praying together right. as a family, or that we're still accessing God's word through um, a reading of a passage or a devotion or um, so, you know something that again, as a connecting point. And maybe right. that's piggybacked onto something like a dinner, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, or, you know, we're listening to a devotional as we're folding laundry or yeah. something, you know, like those can just kind of be seamlessly kind of incorporated right. into the flow, but it, it takes, you know, again, purposeful planning and decision-making on the parent's part. Right. And, and just, again, exposing your teen to mm-hmm. that can create another connection point of like talking about what was said or about what we're reading right yeah yeah i know we're on a podcast right now too but i think podcasts can be such a a friendly way to to have some of these conversations right now too because you're getting all these new ideas um and then you want to talk about it right Mm -hmm. when it's over Mm -hmm. and so um I'm just thinking about incorporating faith and spiritual practices into your home. If you haven't been doing that recently, it probably seems really intimidating. Mm -hmm. And we can have some more kind of natural strategies into like, I'm now playing um, Christian music on Alexa. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And then we're playing a podcast. And then we're reading the Bible passage that they were talking about Mm -hmm. within the podcast. Um, We can kind of get creative with with what that looks like. Yeah. Yeah. I think sometimes we kind of get locked in that you know, like a, a family devotional time looks a certain way yes. or, you know, and, and maybe that's, um, and, and maybe that's a great fit for a lot of families. Yeah. But I also recognize that if you haven't been doing that, that's kind of a hard thing to just like jump into. Yes. So everyone I, at seven o'clock, we're sitting <laughs> on the couch and we're, yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, so being able to have some ways again, of like incorporating or piggybacking yeah. off of, I, I just, I love that. And I like the kind of the progression that you laid out there, Yeah, uh, you know, starting with Alexa playing, <laughs> playing some casting crowns yeah. or something, you know? <laughs> yes. Yeah. 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 That's good. Um, this, this has been uh, just awesome, Caitlin. So we've covered a ton of ground and I know there's more things that we could be talking yeah. about today. So Maybe that just means we're going to have to get together again down again, the road. Sometime, um, yeah. For sure. But um, I guess I'm, I'm wondering if uh, if there are any resources specifically um, for, for teens or for parents that are mm-hmm. kind of your go-tos or things mm-hmm. that like, whether it's mental health or pandemic related, I don't know, just mm-hmm. some of your go-tos that you would want to share mm-hmm. um, with our listeners. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, so some of these uh, strategies that we've been talking today, we've been talking a lot about connection. And I think of, first I think of the Karen Purvis Institute. Are you familiar with Karen Purvis? Okay, she um, 
was a psychologist who was really about um, developing connected relationships with our teens and kids, um, specifically kids and teens from really, you know, tough, traumatic places. Um, but also, I think these strategies can be used with with really any, any kids, too. Um, so really focused on, um, you know, connecting with your teen and being able to, to meet them where they're at um, prior to providing that discipline and the structure. So, like, we're always leading with the love, and then we're we're following up with that um the structure whatever that needs to be mm-hmm. um so she oh, i can't remember her website right now that's okay i'll yeah. link it in the show notes beautiful That'll good be good fine. i was gonna ask if you'd do that um so and she does a, a training too called the empowered to connect training um that that's been really helpful to some of the families that i've worked with and then when i think about um, teen resources something that i often leave my teens with um when when they're leaving a counseling session, I know they've kind of had a tough day and they want to connect. Um, there is a, a free platform called Teen Lines, just teenline.com. And that is uh, a platform where teens can text. I think they can video chat now. Um, or, or message back and forth with other teens who have been really well-trained um, on kind of navigating difficult situations. And then there's always a trained professional there on site too um, at this um you know, the platform, I guess maybe they're all remote right now, but there's always a trained professional accessible to those mm-hmm. teens too, that are providing that additional support. Got so it. that in crisis situations, um, they can, they can be that support that's needed mm-hmm. to the teen, but that's a really great way for teens to connect and like, feel like they're not alone mm-hmm. and, um, know that there's hope. Yes. And is that only a crisis situation or is that really just I, I, I broke up with chat. my boyfriend and I'm yeah. feeling, yeah, it's more, it's more like a difficult situation okay. type, type situation, um, type, type site, I guess. Yeah. Um, but that's, that's something that I like to give to teens when I know that they have something that they want to talk about or they might need to talk about mm-hmm. and they don't know mm-hmm. who or where they can talk about it with, yeah. um, in person. Sure. Yeah. Sure. Cool. Cool. Um, yeah, I will link those in the show notes cool. and a couple of the other things that you and I referenced during our conversation today Good. will be there as well. Um, so our our audience mm-hmm. can't see you, Caitlin, yes. but, but maybe you could tell us a little bit about what's coming for yes. you on the horizon. Yes, audience, I'm very pregnant right now. <laughs> so um, I have a baby that's coming. Our our third um, is, is due in a couple weeks here. That's so, that's so exciting. I'm so excited. I... I do remember this from my last maternity leave. Yeah. We knew each other. I just, there's nothing like a newborn baby and mm-hmm. snuggles and taking some time um, to, to kind of reset and refocus yeah. on a growing family. So I'm really looking forward to that. And then, yes, I've all already thought about all my dreams after um, mm-hmm. for our day treatment and working with those teens um, when I do come back from maternity leave. But my next thing is just yeah. a phase of rest, if you can have rest. Yep. Yep. With well, be a mom. Yeah, to be a mom, yeah. Yeah, yeah be um, a mom in a really in a really full time way. Like yes, just hundred yes. percent of your focus. That's yeah. I've I've appreciated the moments in life where I've been to been able to just like kind of pause on everything yeah. and say, I am only dad yes. right now. You know, like that that's those are just really fun, special moments. So Yeah. Yeah. Pray that everything goes well for you. Thank I'm you. sure it will. It's just, yeah. yeah, I'm excited for you and um, and for Ryan. I think it's just, yeah, awesome. Yes. We're, oh, just talking about it, I'm like, <laughs> come tomorrow, but don't. But I gotta, don't. Yeah, yes. you've got stuff to do <laughs> I got still. A couple more weeks, but um, yeah, that'll yeah. be a good yeah. phase of life. Mm-hmm. Awesome. All right, Caitlin, it's been great. Yeah. Thank you. 
thank you. A big thank you to Caitlin for joining the WellMind community, and thank you for spending your time with me today. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe through your podcast app so that you automatically get the latest episode. New episodes are released every first and third Monday of the month. Also, consider taking a moment to review the show if you found our discussion meaningful to you. Word of mouth is great too. Please let people know about the WellMind community and spread the word. Check out the links in the show notes to find the resources mentioned during our discussion today. Many thanks to the staff here in the Bethany Lutheran College podcast studio. They are tremendous in providing technical support for the podcast. And special thanks to Lauren McMacken for designing the logo and cover art for The WellMind. Thanks again for listening, and until next time, be well.